Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10, if you got it, say, I got it. Verse says, but when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. I want to minister a message today entitled, When People Just Don't Get You. When People Just Don't Get You. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, we're going to find out what to do when people just don't get you. You may, you may be seated. You may be seated. I'm, re- I'm ready to get into this. Some of y'all are too. Y'all like, yeah, I need to hear this. <laughs> Woo, we praying for you. We praying for you. So obviously this month is uh, Black History Month, right? And I absolutely love celebrating our heritage and our history. And when, when a lot of people think of the civil rights movement and when they think of black history, um, not just in our nation but globally, a lot of people use the same names, right? So we hear Dr. Martin Luther King, and we hear Rosa Parks, and we hear Fannie Lou Hamer, and Malcolm X, and others. But, but there's one of my favorite civil rights heroes, one of my favorite heroes and, and actually members of black history, is a lesser-known unsung hero. Her name was Gloria Richardson. Does anyone know of Gloria Richardson? She, she was known for doing activist work in the city, a segregated city of Cambridge, Maryland. Richardson was involved in nonviolent direct action work involving the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, obviously known as SNCC, and organized freedom rides and sit-ins through a movement called the Cambridge Nonviolent Action Committee. It was a committee that she helped to found, and as a result, there were significant increases in opportunity and access and employment for black citizens in that city. Then, during a 1963 protest in the still segregated Cambridge, Maryland, there was an iconic moment that happened. You may have seen this picture. It's one of my favorite pictures from the Civil Rights Movement and actually one of my favorite uh, pictures in all of American history. And it's a picture of Gloria Richardson standing up as a protester and pushing an officer's gun away during a protest. Now, the thing that most people look at is her face, right? That's a... That's a, that's a mean mug if there ever has been one, right? But it was a moment, and when they asked her later on, years later, when she was, I think, 91, they asked her, why did you push away this officer's weapon? She just laughed and said, I, I don't really know. I just didn't want him to stab me. They just wanted to survive. But her dismissal of the officer's threat of violence is seen by many as a powerful representation of resilience and resistance. But for all her hard work and success, for all the things that she did well, for all the accomplishments that we could run down for Miss Gloria Richardson, she was not liked by everybody in the movement. For example, she was honored with five other women leaders being seated on the stage of the August 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. Obviously, that's a place where Dr. King gave his classic I Have a Dream speech. And she was the only woman who was allowed to grab the mic But after she said hello, they took the mic out of her hands. They silenced her because she was different from everyone else. She wasn't youthful. She was a middle-aged woman. She wasn't in the same vein as everybody. She didn't agree with everybody. But because she was different, even from people who were on her side, not just the people who stood against her, she wasn't liked by everybody in the movement. She accomplished many incredible things, but she was not venerated or acknowledged in the same way as other people's work. Have you ever felt like some people just didn't get you? 
You ever feel like some people just don't like you? Raise your hand if you feel like there's a couple of people I thought of immediately when you said that. I just, And you know, I'm not talking about the people who you have conflict with. I'm not talking about the people who possibly you may have wronged, whether intentionally or unintentionally. I'm not talking about the people who you may have said a crossword to in, in the heat of an argument, and now they hold it against you. I'm talking about those people who don't like you, don't get you, and there doesn't seem to be any good reason why. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? The people who you said, I, I didn't even really know you that well. How do we have a problem? You know, I, I, I'm just lost here. I was, I was recently watching an, an, an interview with an MMA fighter, and he was one of the top MMA fighters in the country. And they asked him about his prospects for his next fight, and they brought up two different names. One of, one of them was probably the most hated person in the division, and then the second person was the champion. And they said, which one do you want to fight? He said, ah, oh, it doesn't really matter. They said, which one do you respect more? He said, ah, oh, I think I respect this other guy, the one who was supposedly the most hated one in the entire division, more than the champion. They said, why don't you respect the champion? He said, you know, I don't know. It's just something about his face. Now, I know he's probably trying to build up the fight promotion. He's probably trying to get some more money. He's probably trying to get some more people to buy the pay-per-view whenever they do fight. But that's the type of logic I'm talking about. People who don't have any good reason why they don't like you. People who don't have any good reason why they are opposed to you. Once again, does anybody have anybody in your life that just doesn't seem to get you for no good reason? Why don't you like me? What did I ever do to you? What did I say to you? When did we have a conversation? I can't even remember the last time we talked. When did I accept your friend request on Facebook? When did you follow me on Instagram? I thought you liked my photos. I thought you, we were friends. I thought there was a connection there. But for some odd reason, they just don't seem to get you. Now, if we're not careful, there are people, because of their dislike of us, because of their opposition to us, they will cause us to change our opinions on the assignment that God has given to us. If we're not careful, the people's opinion will be our litmus test as to whether or not we're doing the right thing. If we're not careful, the people who say things about us will carry more weight than the God who created us. Here's why. We suffer from what I like to call Approval culture. Approval culture. This is driven by social media. It's likes, it's retweets, it's favorites, it's follows, it's friends, it's shares. And, and all that leads up to this idea that if we put something out in public, based upon how people respond to it, that's how we know if we said something right. If everybody agrees with us, then we know we're on the right side of popular opinion. If people say, no, 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 that's not how it works, then we shrink back and we say, well, I must be doing something wrong. Approval culture is nothing but following the crowd, following the people around us, following the people who, don't, who we don't even know in real life. We just know them through a computer screen or through a, a smartphone app, but we don't know them in real life and leading them, causing them to dictate what we do and don't do for God. Approval culture. But let me remind you, no amount of likes, shares, retweets, or follows will change the reality that church, God did not call us to his kingdom so that we could be liked. God didn't call us to his kingdom so that we could be beloved by all people. 
God didn't call us to his kingdom so that we could be famous. God didn't call us to his kingdom so that we could be popular. God didn't call us to his kingdom so that we can be approved by everyone. As a matter of fact, everyone who wants to do something significant for God must be prepared for significant opposition. Oh, so you want to do something great for God? Then gear up because people are going to oppose you like never before. They're going to remind you of your past. They're going to remind you of when you didn't have everything together. They're going to remind you of every, every failure, every fault, every wrong thing you've ever done. Or they'll just not like you just because. You know, one of the scriptures I can't stand, 2 Timothy 3.12. It says, in fact, as a matter of fact, just so that you know, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone who wants to do something great for God will suffer great opposition. Everyone who wants to be mighty in God will have to go through a fight. How many of you have come to this conclusion that no matter who stands against me, if God is for me, who can be against me? No matter who sets themselves up as an opposition to me, if I got God's word that says go and do it, I'm going to go and do it regardless of popular opinion. Is there anybody who has come to this this idea, this conclusion that I'm not going to stand before any of my Facebook friends on the last day. I'm not going to stand in front of my family. I'm not going to stand in front of my friends. I'm not going to stand in front of my employers. I'm not going to stand in front of my coworkers. I'm only going to stand before God. People just don't get you. That rubs you the wrong way. Makes you upset. Makes you frustrated. And then causes you to doubt the assignment of God. Nehemiah taught us a lot of different things. Nehemiah taught us about brokenness. He taught us about posture. He taught us about prayer. He's taught us about provision. But now Nehemiah is going to teach us a little something about opposition. Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2, he gets opposed by two men, eventually three men, but there are two ringleaders for the course of today's discussion, Sanballat and Tobiah. Sanballat and Tobiah do some very particular things in Nehemiah chapter 2, and then we'll skip ahead a couple of chapters to Nehemiah chapter 4 that give us an insight as to why some people just don't get you. Let's look at the first one. First one, some people just don't get you because people hate public promotion. People hate public promotion. Okay, watch this. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10, it's our text. It says, but when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. Nehemiah received the provision of God, and then Sanballat and Tobiah got upset that someone was doing something positive for the people of Israel. That's typically how it works, right? You do something positive, you do something big, something comes out, and then all the critics circle. Then everyone all of a sudden has an opinion. You couldn't get a hold of them before, but now as soon as you stepped into the spotlight, now everyone has an idea of what you should and shouldn't be doing. But it's interesting that we have to analyze why they got upset. There is a reason why. Notice verse 9, a verse before. Verse 9 says, So I went to the governors of, of the trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king also sent army officers and cavalry with me. The king decided to give the keys of provision to Nehemiah, and Nehemiah served in a largely private role as a cupbearer, as an ambassador, as an emissary. 
But what the king did is now he gave him public power. Now he gave him a public promotion. Now he gave him a public role. Now he gave him letters and not just letters, but he also sent an army and a cavalry with him. Now he gave him military authority too. So now this is very interesting. Nehemiah has been working faithfully in private, but the second it goes public, all the opposition comes up. You didn't hear anything about Sanballat and Tobiah before this point, and scholars actually say they probably never even knew who Nehemiah was. But the second Nehemiah gets the keys, the second Nehemiah gets the promotion, the second Nehemiah gets the provision, that's when the opposition starts. Can I give you some help here today, church? Let me give you some help here. Pay attention to those people who celebrate you when you win. Pay attention to the people who genuinely celebrate when you have a victory. Pay attention to the people who genuinely congratulate you when God comes through on your behalf. Pay attention to the people who when you exceed and go to your next level, they're applauding even if they ain't on the same level you are. Can I take it? Can I take it a little bit deeper? Take it a little bit deeper. Most people won't support the best version of you. Most people are not going to support you winning. You want to know why? Most people won't support the best version of you because there's another version they like better. They like the unsure you. They like the confused you. They like the insecure you. They like the predictable you. They like the invisible you. They like the calm, quiet you. They like the weak version of you. They like the frightened version of you. They don't like the confident you. They don't like the assured you. They don't like the focused you. They don't like the strong leader you. They don't like the intuitive you. They don't like the bold you. They don't like the anointed you. They don't like the called you. They don't like the qualified you. Why? Because they can no longer control you. They can no longer put you on a string and control you like a puppet to get them to do, get you to do their agenda. Notice here, it, it, the, the reason is it, it comes from this, this idea. It's called a scarcity mentality. This is a theology that a lot of people have. A lot of people don't know it, but they have a scarcity theology. The scarcity mentality says there's only just enough spots in any significant arena. It's only just a few spots. And if someone else achieves that spot, it takes it away from my spot. But, okay, Bible readers, uh, the thief comes not but for to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more. See, the problem is the kingdom of God is an abundance kingdom. The kingdom of God has more than enough resources for everybody in the kingdom to win. You realize that? That you don't have to compete against your neighbor. You don't have to compete against someone else. You don't have to compete against your, your family members. You don't have to compete against the people who look like you. Because God is the God of abundance. But the problem is a lot of people look at you and they think that you're taking their spot. Okay, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. What about Joseph? Joseph was doing real good until his brothers found out that his earthly father favors him and his heavenly father favors him. And that's the favor they wanted for themselves. So now when he gets a multicolored coat and now when God's 
you know, communicates to him in a dream. And now when he tells it, now they say, oh, no, we have to kill him. Why? He's got something we don't have. So then what do they say? Genesis 37, 19. Here comes the dreamer. We're going to kill him. Here comes the dreamer. We're going to set up a fake funeral. Here comes the dreamer. We're going to sell him into slavery. You see, people are upset when you get the thing that they thought they deserved first. Give you another example. David, David, 1 Samuel 17. Notice this. David gets anointed. Then there's the battle with Goliath. David is not public yet, but he goes and does what his father tells him to do. Look at what his brother Eliab says. He says, why have you come down here and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You come down only to watch the battle. And David says, hold up, wait a second. I came here to provide supplies for you. I came here because I care. I came here because I'm curious. But the problem is not that David showed up. It's that he got anointed and he got hands laid on him by the prophet. Eliab said, I'm the person who's supposed to get this. So see, notice people won't get you because they don't, they don't like public promotions that they can't participate in themselves. One more, one more. Jesus, Luke chapter 4. He comes to the synagogue and says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news unto the poor. He starts and launches his public ministry. What do they say in verse 22? Isn't this Joseph's son? Ain't this the dude that grew up in Nazareth? Ain't this the guy who grew up on the wrong side of the tracks? Ain't this the carpenter's son? Now he up in here quoting Isaiah? Who this dude? You got to be careful about surrounding yourselves with people who cannot celebrate you when it's time to celebrate you, who cannot applaud you when it's time to applaud you, who cannot champion you when it's time to champion you. If someone cannot applaud your success, they don't need to be in your life. And we have a lot of people who we place around us. And the reason we place them around us and in our circle is not because they're real friends. It's because they are familiar. Just because we've been friends for 20 years doesn't mean you a real friend. Doesn't mean you a real brother. Don't mean you a real sister. Now, that sounds like an imposter to me. That sounds like someone who's going to betray me in the end. Judas was in Jesus' inner circle for three years. Don't get it twisted. Everybody who walks with you is not for you. Let me move on. Let me move on. Let me move on. Number two, people enjoy empty embarrassments. People enjoy empty embarrassments. They hate public promotion, but they enjoy empty embarrassments. Look at this. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant, and then they, they brought somebody else in, Geshem the Arab heard about it. They jeered at us and despised us and said, what's this little thing that y'all doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Are you rebelling against the king? (laughs) People like empty embarrassments. They like to take swipes and stabs at you. They like to subtly chop you down to a size that they can manage. They like to correct your ambition and censor your dreams. They like to confuse you with their opinions and their ideas of what they think you should be doing and how you should be behaving. They like to say, well, back in my day, this is what we did. When I faced this, this is what happened. And the problem is they will embarrass you. Now, you have to understand the background here. You have to understand the background that Sam Ballot 
and Tobiah were playing a very, very stealthy game with Nehemiah. They were playing a game trying to confuse him with their words. Remember, words are the battlefield. What people say about you and to you and over you deeply matters. That's why Jesus says, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. For that's what they did with the false prophets. So he's saying there's something about the words of other people that show you where you're at. Two ways people like to embarrass you. First way is they like to question you. Like to question you. Notice here, verse 19. What is this thing that you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Why is this interesting? Well, because in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 9, Nehemiah went out with the letters and gave them to all the governors with the army and the cavalry. You may not know this, but according to ancient history, Sanballat is one of the governors. And then 10 verses later, he's asking, are you rebelling against the king? You don't already seen the order of the king. You don't already seen the king's seal. You saw his army. You saw his cavalry. Why are you questioning me when you already know I've been called to do what I'm doing? Why are you throwing doubt into the mix? Why are you asking confusing questions? Why are you second-guessing what God has already blessed? Can Can I give you some help? Be careful of who you ask for advice, church. Be careful. Be careful. Because what a lot of people do is to prove that they are superior to you. They'll give you advice that won't really deliver you, but that will add more confusion to your life. They don't want you to advance past them. And when they see that you have the potential to, what they do is they only give you half of the truth. They only give you a portion of the facts. They only give you a little bit of encouragement. They only give you some of the access. But I need some people in my life who are going to be able to tell me the truth at any point in time and who are not going to second guess the will of God for my life. If God called me and you believe God called me, don't be asking all them questions. Don't be asking all them questions. Even if you wouldn't do it that way if it was you. See, we got to be careful. We got to be careful, church. Sometimes we respond to people's call and we respond to people's assignment from God in a way that makes it seem like they're doing something wrong when really what's happening is that's just not how we would do it. If I were in that situation, I wouldn't act like that. But God didn't speak to you about that situation. God spoke to them about that situation. So don't be questioning what God said to them. Okay, okay, you get it. Number two, not only will they question you, number two, they'll mock you. They'll mock you. They'll make fun of you. They'll take swipes at you. Look at Nehemiah chapter 4. Let's jump ahead a, a chapter. Now, when Sam Ballot heard that they were building the wall, He was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said, in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? And then Tobiah chimes in, because people mock in plurality. They mock with people behind them. Tobiah says, Yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Mocking them, laughing at them. Let me give you some help. 
Be careful about who you allow to speak to you. Here's what I mean by speak. I don't mean hi, bye. I don't mean a conversation. I don't mean how are you doing. I mean extended conversations that you should have never been in the first place. And what happens is people start to say things to you in those extended conversations, and it comes out. You ever had the people who are nice, nasty about it? They mock you in a nice, nasty way. They say, what happened, baby? You did this. Oh, you okay? You doing all right? So they checking on you, but they're really dissing you at the same time. They just do it with a smile. You know who I'm talking about? Don't look at nobody. That's messy, y'all. Y'all petty. I'm just saying, I know nobody in here does that. I'm just saying, in general, do you know somebody who's a little nice, nasty? You know somebody who will poke at you? You see, people will poke at you because they are jealous of where God has you and because they don't believe God can do it for them. Not only that, but there are secret agendas at play. That's why we need to be prayed up. That's why we need to be in the spirit. And that's why we need to make sure that God is leading us and guiding us. Because what they didn't know is that Sam Ballot was upset because he had an axe to grind with Israel. Sam Ballot was upset because he's from the country of Moab. And the country of Moab is the country that intersects with Israel at a certain plane. And so Sam Ballot has generational hatred for Israel. And Nehemiah doesn't even know it. Do you realize that there are some people in your life, and this is why we pray that God reveals your friends in 2020, God reveals your inner circle in 2020, there are some people in your life who are there because they have an agenda. Because they have an agenda. Because they want what you can provide. Because they want the access that you bring. Because they want the status that you bring. Be careful about who you allow to speak to. I'm praying that God will give you some divine escapability to get out of some conversations you shouldn't be in this year. Because at the end of the day, you will have waste, wasted time and energy and emotion and all kinds of things. And you, ha you will have been distracted from the assignment that God has given you at the beginning of the year. Number three. And we're done. People crave crowd confirmation. They crave crowd confirmation. Okay. <laughs> they hate public promotion. They enjoy empty embarrassments, and they crave crowd confirmation. Look at Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, wait a second, and the Ammonites, wait a second, and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry, and they all plotted. Everybody say plotted. plotted. To, they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. So there was a conspiracy at play. So he brought in not just Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab, but he also brought in all the Ammonites and all the Arabs and all the Ashdodites who were connected to the Philistines. There is something called the negative effect of the crowd. The crowd is not always right. The crowd is not always truthful. The crowd is not always factual. The crowd is not always led by God. Don't chase crowds, church. Chase truth. Don't chase crowds, church. Chase the word of God. Don't chase crowds, church. Chase biblical principles. There are a lot of things that people are opposing us in 
And it's because it's a crowd of people, because it's more than one, because they come in plurality, we start second guessing who we are. They're attacking the Israelites. They're attacking the Jews. They're attacking them, and they're saying, we're going to cause confusion amongst them. We're going to cause them to doubt who God has really made them to be. And then if that doesn't work, after the jeering doesn't work, after the embarrassments and mocking and the questioning doesn't work, then it's violence from then on. Then we're going to attack them physically. Then we're going to try to kill them. Be careful of the crowd. Just because a group of people said it does not mean it is true. Just because the Internet co-signs it does not mean it is godly. Just because people online said, yes, this is what we should do, doesn't mean you should join them. When the crowd rises up against you, Jesus dealt with crowds. He dealt with crowds of people who wanted to stone him. He dealt with crowds of people who said, these are hard sayings. I can't get with this. He dealt with crowds of people who said, you know what? I don't really believe that he's the Messiah. He dealt with crowds of people that said, Hosanna, Hosanna one day, and then crucify him, crucify him the next. The crowd couldn't make up its mind. Give us Barabbas, the crowd said. Crucify him, the crowd said. The same crowd that he had provided food and water and provision and healing for, that crowd turned on him. Don't follow the crowd, church. When the crowd rises up against you, you don't need to answer them. You don't need to fight fire with fire. You need to talk to yourself. You need to remind yourself of who you are in Christ. There's a lot of what's going on right now where we feel like we have to clap back at every crowd that is passing by. We feel like we have to say something to every crowd that's doing the wrong thing. Every crowd that says something negative about us. Every crowd that, that pokes at us. Every crowd that stabs us in the back. Every crowd that betrays us. God did not call you to do crowd control. God called you to take control of yourself. God called you to believe his word over the crowd's word. Can I give you an example of what this looks like? When they say you've messed up, remind yourself that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When they say you're weak, remind yourself that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. When they say you have a past, remind yourself that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation and old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. When they say your parents didn't amount to anything. Remind yourself that you are a child of God, and when your mother and father forsake you, the Lord has promised to take you up. When they say that you're a failure, remind yourself that I am redeemed and made righteous in Christ. When they say you can't do anything good, remind yourself that I am God's workmanship, his masterpiece, his poema, created to do good works that God has prepared beforehand that I should walk in. When they say you don't have any resources, remind yourself that I may not have anything right now. But my God has promised to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. When they say you can't do it, remind yourself that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. When they talk about where you came from, remind yourself that right now, no matter your past, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. When they say you have strong opposition, ask yourself if God is for me. Who can be against me? When they tell you you've looked for love in all the wrong places, remind them that now nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus. When they say it's impossible, remind yourself that all things are possible to him who believes. 
When they say you're losing, remind yourself that God always causes us to triumph in Christ. When they say you're sick, remind yourself that by Jesus' stripes you can be healed. When they say you don't have an inheritance or a future or a legacy or a pedigree, remind yourself that I am an heir of God and a joint heir of Christ Jesus. When they say you're the least likely to succeed, remind yourself that I am part of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a peculiar people. When they say you're a work in progress, remind yourself that he who began a good work in me will perform it to the end of time. When they say you're defeated, remind yourself I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. And when they say that the odds are stacked against you, remind yourself greater is he that is on the inside of me. I feel faith rising. I said greater is he that is on the inside of me. Oh, you don't believe it yet. I said greater is he that is on the inside of me than he that is in the world. Church, if you have decided you're not going to listen to the crowd, but you're just going to remind yourself of who you are in Christ, on the count of three, jump to your feet and give God a shout of praise. One, two, three. Give him a shout of praise. Oh, come on. Remind yourself of who you are. You are God's child. You are more than enough. You are a conqueror. You are the head and not the tail. Lift your hands up. Lift your hands up. Remind yourself of who you are. The only way you deal with people who just don't get you is you got to have someone who does. That's Christ. Christ has come to redefine and overrule the word of everyone. Doesn't matter who it is. Could be your parents. Could be the people in your household. Could be people who have been friends with you for years. It does not matter. If God said it is true, let God be true and every man be a liar. Can we do something? I know we don't have room. I know we don't have space. Be very careful. But I genuinely believe that some people need to release some friends that are in your life or some participants in your life for good today. Some of you have been racking your brain trying to figure out what you did wrong in a relationship, what didn't measure up, what was deficient about you, and God is telling you today it wasn't nothing deficient about you. They weren't supposed to be in your life. They had overstayed their welcome. Serve them an eviction notice. I want to challenge you on the count of three. If there is a relationship or friends that you need to get out of your life or something that you need to reckon with, I want to challenge you to come down to the altar. We don't have much room. Be careful of the equipment. And if you can't get to the altar, just step in the aisle. Do something that physically says today it's over. Enough is enough. I'm not going to hold myself to the standard of any crowd, any person, any people. None of that matters. If God told me to do it, I'm going to do it. You ready? One, two, three. Come to the altar right now. If that's you, come to the altar right now. Fill in the front. Fill in the front. Fill in the front. We're going to get delivered today. We're not going to be bound by people's words. We're not going to be bound by their opinions. We're not going to be bound by the peanut gallery of social media. It doesn't matter. Don't matter what they say. God gave me the keys. He put me in the right posture. He caused me to pray for it. And now there's provision. Lift your hands. If you're at the altar, lift your hands. Lift your hands right now. 
And all those who need to let some stuff go. Failed relationships. Hmm. Families that need to be reconciled. People who have been telling you for decades you will not amount to anything. But because they are familiar, you allow them to keep speaking over you. God wants to break the addiction today. He wants to break the bondage today. Lift up your hands higher. That's not high enough. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. It's not no cute. I'm going to hold my hands at my waist. This is a stronghold we're breaking. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, right now in the name of Jesus, every false word, every careless statement, every questioning, every mocking that has caused the people of God to doubt the will of God for their lives, we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. We speak against it. We say it is cursed. We say those words have no power. We say they have no authority. We say those people have no dominion. Those people who have their hearts broken because they cannot be in relationship with that person who is exercising control and manipulation and moving with an agenda. Would you cause them to realize that you are the friend who sticks closer than a brother? That you are the fourth man in the fire? You ain't never going to leave them. The people who feel negatively because family members have doubted them and questioned them and told them they weren't going to amount to anything. We speak against that. Your identity is in Christ. Let every word fall flat. Let every word be grabbed before it exits a mouth. Every word. Some of you from the very, from the very moment you could hear, you had people in your family, people in your life, people at your school, teachers, guidance counselors, mentors, who said cross words to you. Enough. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are above only and not belief. You are the head and not the tail. And God, we're praying right now with their hands lifted that you are going to send divine assistance, divine resources, godly friendships, spirit-led relationships. People are going to come into your life for no other reason just to encourage you. They go come to your life for no other reason than just to be your greatest cheerleader. You will find your tribe this year. You're going to find your community this year. And God, would you place a hedge of protection around minds that have believed these lies? May you not go one singular day without repeating and reminding yourself who you are in Jesus. And may the enemy have no place in your life. None. This is significant. If we're going to rise up and build church, we need to know how to deal with the opposition. We need to draw a line and say, you know what? Whatever happened in 2019, whatever happened in 2018, in 2017, in 2016, going as far back as we can remember, that's the past. But on today, from this day forward, we will serve the Lord. From this day forward, we will serve the Lord. I said from this day forward, 
We decree it and we declare it done. If you believe it, why don't you give God a shout of praise? Give him a shout. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me tell you something. The enemy speaks loud, real loud. So you need to drown out the enemy's lies. And I need you to give him a shout, a real shout. We're not there yet, a real shout. It's not about volume. It's about commitment and surrender. I want you to think about everything that they said you couldn't do. They said you couldn't have. They said you couldn't accomplish. And think about who God is on the inside of you. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. I want you to shout on the count of three. Like you are stepping out of bondage and into freedom. Are you ready, church? I said, are you ready, church? I said, are you ready, church? One, two, three. Give him a shout. Oh, come on. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. Lift it up. Shout your freedom. Shout your liberty. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, come on. Keep it going. Keep it going. It hasn't broken yet. You need to break through. Break through, church. Break through, church. Worshiping. He doesn't want us to leave this moment quickly. Just wave your hands in his presence. Wave your hands in his presence. Hallelujah. After you've been delivered, you must be healed. You must be healed. You must be put back together. God is doing some healing work right now. Wave your hands in his presence. He's doing some healing work. Healing work. are not true. Nothing but the truth of God. I 
sense someone in this place in particular, someone in this place in particular has been battling with depressive symptoms, lack of sleep, lack of rest, and it's been going on for a while, months, maybe even years. You haven't been able to rest because you've been so depressed, you've been so beaten down, and your life could be better, but the reality is it's not the worst that it could be. And you're trying to figure out, why do I feel this way? God says, the stronghold is broken. You're going to rest again. There are times of refreshing. There are times of release. There are times of recovery. It's coming. You have believed the lies for so long. I don't know who you are. I don't know what it is. I don't know who said what. But you have not been able to sleep. And the enemy had so much control over your mind. God wanted you to shout today to break it. It's broken. You're going to rest. You will have the sleep of the righteous in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, as you walk back to your seat, I want you to give three people a hug and tell them no more lies. No more lies. No more lies. No more lies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God. God a hand clap of praise for what he released today. Deliverance, healing, 